0: So you don't know if people were doing brunch in 2007? Is that is that what I just heard you say?
1: Questions looming. I You know, Easter brunch seems to be a thing that was manifested by posting. Mm-hmm. I seriously question that the average family was going out to brunch in 2005, in the aughts, if you will.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem kind of a more recent thing. I mean, I... I I like what. What made the shift, right? Like what? What made it? It's like we're we're eating breakfast food. Like what's mimosas you know? are
1: vibrant in a picture. I mean, you put a mimosa right. in a picture on a nice day. I don't know what your weather was like on Easter, but oh yeah, Storm. that's sign me up. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, it would snow. I just got hit night. by
0: lightning for for Easter. That was fun.
1: How close? How close uh, is almost?
0: I would say that the strike was about like fifty yards from me. Close
1: enough. Yeah, close it wasn't enough. fun.
0: <laughs> it was one of those things where, like, when it hit, you're like, "Oh wow, that was that was really, really way too close." Um, and were you holding
1: a golf club above your head?
0: I was not. I was I was under. I, I was underneath. Uh, it's a long story, but um, I was underneath like uh, like a some shelter. It was like kind of like a, a makeshift porch, um, waiting for um, a relative of mine to get to uh, the place we were at to unlock the door and um yeah we it was in the middle of a storm and not a whole lot of fun but yeah this this got brought up because you were asking me on monday during the day like just out of nowhere you were like do do people have an easter meal and i i think i think it comes down to one of two camps right because you're you're talking about you're talking about brunch which is definitely really popular especially among the instagram um uh, faithful out there. I, I was that what you did? I didn't do any. Well, I made breakfast
1: uh, okay. pancakes or waffles, if you will. I've been using those two things interchangeably now for more than a year, and I'm not sure when or why I started doing that. It's not which on one. Purpose. which one did you do? I actually had waffles, but half the time I seem to be referring to them as pancakes, which they are not, but either, either. way, i didn't I didn't have. The thing that you suggested that some people traditionally do, nor did I do the new age millennial thing where I went out and let everyone know about it.
0: Yeah. I, okay. So Easter to me is like a ham holiday. But here's the thing Christmas is as well, right? Like that seems to be kind of the thing that's that, yeah. You know, when I think of Easter and Christmas, like what do you, obviously, Thanksgiving, you eat turkey at Thanksgiving, right? Right. Easter and Christmas, I think the two other holidays that are probably the closest in in terms of, you know, family gathering, nicer um, meal type of holidays, uh, ham is is the one. And that's what we had. Um, My hot take is that I think ham's really overrated. Um, I don't think ham is good enough to, like, sit by itself as a main course. You get what I'm saying? Like For
1: some reason, I envision the people that have ham at Easter being the silent generation. Like, not even boomers, just the silent generation.
0: That might be the case. That might be the case. Um, I, I just, yeah, it's just really, I, I don't know, like, ham to me is like, it's fine, you know? It, it's fine, but, like, is it going to carry enough? And, and, like, the thing about it is, like, I know people rag on turkey a lot, but, like, turkey... You know, you can do turkey up in some different ways. Ham is just kind of like you have a big ham, you know, and it might be glazed or it might be, you know, certain cut or something like that, but it's just it's just a big thing of ham, really. Um so I, that's what I think of. I don't know how widespread that is. I don't know how I don't, know, I don't know how much that's like the thing. I know Christmas ham is definitely
1: in your lifetime, has your family more than once done the ham at Easter? So yes. maybe my silent yes. generation cutoff line doesn't seem very real.
0: Yeah, my grandparents. Yeah, this is oh, a, this is go. this is my grandparents' type of move. I yeah, I just I'm thinking, I don't know, man. Like, but like brunch, yeah, brunch. I mean that 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 uh, that's definitely the move. Um, I think for us though, it's like. By the time everybody gets out from church on Easter, it's like, well, it's, you know, I mean, we didn't start eating until, like, 1 or 1.30 yesterday, or Sunday, I should say, at this point. Um, but the brunch move, like, it's funny. Okay, so while we were doing this, I, I Googled brunch. Uh, Painter, do you want to know the first—would you guess the first year the word brunch was referenced anywhere? Would you guess the year? Is it
1: going to be longer ago than I would have guessed, or way more— Recently, because when when I was a child, I remember the first time that I heard the word brunch. It was in Northern Virginia, sometime between the ages of six and ten.
0: I'm gonna say it's a whole lot earlier than you think it is.
1: All right. Well, then in that case, I'm gonna go way back. I'm gonna say 1942,
0: 1895. Yeah. All right. Definitely. In Britain. Uh, it is sometimes credited to a reporter who wrote. Uh, that was in Great Britain. In the in the United States, uh, it was it's sometimes credited to reporter Frank Ward O'Malley, who wrote for the New York newspaper The Sun from 1906 to 1919, allegedly based on the typical midday eating habits of a newspaper reporter. Interesting. Um, I also think it's kind of funny that <laughs> the Wikipedia entry for brunch has special occasions. Here, here's the here's the sentence. Brunch is prepared by restaurants and hotels for special occasions such as weddings, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, or Easter. That's pretty much every holiday, right? Like, which one have we missed there? Like, I I don't think people are doing a Fourth of July brunch. Just because no, I that's guess, a picnic thing. That's an yeah. afternoon
1: evening thing. Thanksgiving is typically an evening thing. I think I think right we're hit, lunch.
0: Yeah, I think we're hitting like the the three that they skipped in my mind are the three like uh, you know, grilling holidays, uh, 4th of July Memorial day. And I guess labor day would be the other one. Um,
1: and I should be clear when I say Thanksgiving is at lunch, I don't think anyone has an early Thanksgiving, right? Like you're trying to create some room around Thanksgiving for a huge meal that you might only eat once that day. And then you sort of graze the rest of the day.
0: Yes. That's, that's definitely the smartest move to do. I know some folks who do, thanksgiving like really late and i'm like man that would that would kill me all day just waiting for that Nah, you're you not gonna want to you're not gonna, wanna, you're not gonna wanna do that um i will say though painter this this year for this year for easter this might be the first easter of my life i didn't get any candy like and usually at this point in my life i go out and buy it myself like you know take advantage of the of the sales and whatnot on, on monday i that did not i i was i was i, I left myself out of that this year i don't know is this, is this the side of me getting old?
1: Maybe, or maybe you just simply felt antisocial. Maybe it wasn't worth being know. among the the hordes of people who are looking to get their their candy fix on a discount deal, which we appreciate around here. I understand. Look, if you're going to get the candy, might as well get it a day late mm-hmm. instead of a day early. going to make a big difference. I'm here with you on that. Because I'm not a big candy guy anyway, so if I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it on the low.
0: Yeah, yeah. There you go. Buy buy low. I guess sell, you wouldn't high. sell high. I guess you wouldn't sell high in this case, but yeah. So Easter, I hope everybody had a really good uh, Easter weekend. Um, appreciate. Hope you, you relaxed. Guys. You know, yeah. if you couldn't be
1: with family, not everyone can be with family this time of the year. So yeah, I, I was t- man. I slept for like six hours.
0: Uh, on like during the day. Yeah, I think I fell asleep around go.
1: six and woke up around midnight.
0: Yeah, that that'll work. That'll work um yeah i was pretty fortunate i had uh i had multiple siblings of mine who do not live anywhere near here um came into town this past weekend so that was that was a lot of fun appreciate everybody um you know uh understanding that we we pushed the we pushed this uh podcast back a day because of the holiday um but uh we've got quite a bit to talk about uh that has nothing to do with ham or candy so you ready for it painter let's go It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, kind of, um, your free edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless in parts unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello, hello. So, we've got, uh, we got quite a few topics, uh, to tackle today. Some newsier stuff on the basketball side, and then some kind of bigger picture stuff that Painter wanted to discuss on the football side, um... Again, appreciate everybody tuning in and checking us out. Uh, appreciate those of you who are longtime listeners uh, for uh, being with us. As it was a, a day later than our usual schedule, we should be back to somewhat normal uh, here moving forward. But uh, took a little extra time off with with Easter on Sunday. Let's let's start as I said with basketball, um, the transfer portal, and all of its movement is in is in full swing it's the it's the it's the headlining i guess it's the it's the headline maker in college basketball our friend sam vicini who who writes at the athletic he um made a point earlier in the week where he was like man i don't know if the transfer portal is good for the sport or bad for the sport in terms of its health but uh, more people are talking about college basketball for longer uh, in the off season, and uh, the the team building and the uh, you know the amount of folks that are linking up and um, the movement. I think when you look at all the different levels of movement, you know I agree with with Sam. It, it, it is more exciting this way, and uh, Auburn is getting themselves into that mix. Uh, I guess we should first start off with not anything surprising, but uh, just some confirmation. Friday. Auburn announced the signing of five star combo forward. They listed him as a combo forward. Uh Yohan Treyor. And we now have an official pronunciation guide for Mr. Treyor. So let's 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 all practice. You ready, Painter? Yoan. Yoan Treyor. treor Yoan Treyor. Yoan Treyor. That seems
1: go. easier than we've made it at times. That's
0: that a whole lot easier than we've than we've made it. Uh, but yeah, that is uh, that is Yoan Traor, who uh, so the H, h- is
1: kind of silent,
0: kind of silent. Yes, I think that's that's the best way to put it. Kind of silent. The uh, pickup there for Auburn uh, announced on Friday, like we said. Um, this is from the press release. Bruce Pearl saying, "Quote: I am so pleased to welcome Yoan to the Auburn family. I have great respect pl- for players like Yoan who come to the U.S. to pursue their academic and athletic dreams far away from their families. Talk about a cultural fit." For our program, Yoan is humble and hungry. He is incredibly disciplined, a hard worker, and wants to be coach. He has tremendous upside because of his effort, his attitude, his size, and his skill level. Assistant coach Wes Flanagan did an outstanding job of spearheading his recruitment to Auburn, uh, noting that uh, last summer with uh, Dream Vision uh, in the AAU circuit, uh, Yohan averaged 25 points and 14 rebounds per game. Uh, they won the Adidas 3SSB championship for the boys. Uh, as we talked about a little while earlier, uh, originally from Tour, France, he joins an Auburn signing class that includes Trey Donaldson and Chance Westry. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if Auburn adds any more to that. Julian Phillips seems to be, we talked about this not too long ago, Julian Phillips seems to be kind of fading a little bit in terms of, you know, not as much heat with Auburn and him. Seems like he might be going in a different direction, uh, but it opens things up for the portal. Uh, but yeah, Auburn listing him as a combo forward, which is a very interesting way to put it. And I think yeah, I think more than likely this is your guy to uh, plug in and replace um, what you lost in uh, in in Jalen Williams. I think he can play with Jalen Williams. Um, I think he can play with a, with a natural center. Um, I think he can you know kind of move around in a lot of different spots. But uh, Auburn listing him as a combo forward and also noting that he is the second highest rated player in Auburn history. So, Yohan Treor officially on the board painter, and I think this is going to be a guy we're, we're going to be excited to talk about for quite some time because the more you see him, the more you watch a film of him, the more you hear about his accolades. Uh, the more he looks like just a perfect fit for what for what Bruce Pearl is trying to build here.
1: Small detail, but something I have appreciated about Bruce, and I'm sure other coaches do it in basketball. I think it's probably harder to do in football because there's so many position coaches, mm-hmm. but Bruce always gets a lot of credit because his teams are always talented. He loves to gas up his assistant coaches, oh, yeah. and he gave Wes some credit there. For a guy that has a great reputation as someone who goes out and get, gets really good high school players, and is able to immediately service his needs in the transfer portal. He's usually pretty quick to shout out the guys doing stuff behind the scenes.
0: Yes, see, he, he, he does, and I think that's one of the things where like people really like working for Bruce Pearl. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that always tries to give his players and his assistants credit more than himself. You know, and he's a guy that obviously could take a lot of credit for himself because of what he's built at Auburn and his track record at places like yeah, Tennessee and Yeah, I would say if he stays yeah.
1: any place long enough, the talent will surge at whatever place it is. You know, it took a couple of years for Auburn to get there, but inevitably.
0: But assistant coaches are, you know, like like you said, the, the, these are the guys who spearhead the, these recruitment processes. Um, you know, there are some really there's some really good assistants out there who are great at X's and O's. They're great at, um, you know, kind of individual development and training. They're good at recruiting. I think Auburn, when you hear how much credit Bruce gives to guys like Wes Flanagan and and his, and his son, Stephen Pearl and and Ira Bowman, I think all three of those, um, guys are, I mean, they're just good, well-rounded assistants. And so Bruce, um, always, always, uh, in the, in a spot where he wants to give those guys a lot of credit and, you know, uh, they, they did a lot of work here to land a guy like Yohan Traor Traor, Traor. Traor, sorry, I'm going to I'm gonna have to reteach myself that. He is going to be one that we're going to be talking about for a while. I have talked about it, you know, as we get deeper into the off season, I want to do a little bit of a deeper dive on Chance Westry and, and on Trey Donaldson because I think those guys sign in during the middle of football season and basketball season that can kind of get lost in the shuffle uh, for a bit. And we did the breakdown at the Observer of uh, Yohan. Uh, but uh, yeah, Westry and uh, Donaldson will definitely get some get some more uh, get some more love here in the in these next few weeks and months uh, for sure. Going to the transfer portal, we mentioned recently uh, UCF transfer guard Darren Green Jr. Uh, on Monday afternoon he committed to Florida State. These things move really really quickly. We we mentioned that Auburn was um, one of the teams that was uh, that had reached out to him. Uh, Green making a pretty quick decision to stay in state uh, and, and go to uh, go to Florida State. So it's another one. Be interesting to see, as we said, the guards and the wings, how that kind of resets. Um, our buddy uh, Jay Phillips uh, pointing that out on Twitter on Monday afternoon. He 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 expects a reset uh, to come, and I, and I would imagine that as well because you would think Auburn gets another big guy, and then you would think probably. A guy at guard or, or wing, somebody can give you a little bit more size, a little bit more three-point shooting ability, but made a lot of sense why Darren Green Jr. was somebody that Auburn went after uh, here uh, in the portal. And um, yeah, Florida State—they've had this track record. Florida State has had it under Leonard Hamilton, especially recently, of guys who um, you know, guys who are like six-nine or six-ten, super athletic forwards. They have—they've—they've they've produced quite a few of them for the league Um, it's been a minute and I mean, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody obvious Uh, it's been a little while to me where I, or I thought like, okay, there's a guard uh, that Florida state's been able to produce um, that could, that could really, you know, grab some national attention. So maybe Darren green ends up being that guy. So I'll be very interested to see how he ends up and what Auburn does from there. The big guys, not an issue right now in terms of targets and Auburn being in the mix for them. The top one, As we talked about recently, we've got a a, uh, a correction on his name. I've now heard this from several people, so we're in the midst of the pronunciation guide right here. Been calling him Johnny. His name is Janai Broom. So apologies to Mr. Broom for that. Janai Broom Transfer Center from Moorhead State. We talked about him recently on a podcast. I mean, if you're looking for somebody who can be as close to a like-for-like substitution for Walker Kessler, in this transfer portal, this is your guy. Six ten, very athletic, awesome uh, shot blocker. Was one of the best in the country this year. Great offensive and defensive rebounding. And I think, as as I mentioned also recently, more of an inside game, more of a more of a um, kind of go to inside scorer at more head State than I think you would ha- have had you know with Walker Kessler. I think Kessler more of that rim runner, finisher, dunker type of type of guy. Obviously, um, wanted to stretch the floor a little bit with his face-up jumper. Broom seems to be more of a guy that you can kind of feed down low, and maybe that can kind of open some things up uh, for Auburn's offense, create some gravity, shift kind of the spacing a little bit, if Auburn was able to land him. Auburn um, had a visit, got a visit from him this past weekend uh, from from Janai Broom, um, and he – uh, told multiple folks that that cover recruiting nationally and some folks locally that uh, he is planning on making his visit to Florida uh, next weekend. Very interesting to see what Auburn could do uh, with this recruitment compared to Florida. Florida, Colin Castleton is coming back for another year. Broom and Castleton playing together, I just you wouldn't have very much in terms of kind of stretchiness from your front court at that point think auburn can be a better fit for him in terms of just positionally uh right off the bat um but you know florida's gonna florida's going to uh definitely um get in the mix here and is is, is a you know that's his only other confirmed visit at this point he could take others um he is a florida native as well he's, i believe he's from plant city um so be very interesting to see what 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 it does um you know from what people have, have reported and what people have said about the visit. Um, seems like Auburn did a really good job here. It was, it was a strong visit. Um, and that, you know, they're going to be um, one of the top contenders, if not the top contender uh, here for uh, this recruitment. But um, really interesting to see uh, how Auburn has pushed so hard for a guy like Broom, guy they played last season. But, you know, Painter, it's just – Auburn, I think Auburn got really used to having a center this past season who was an excellent rim protector, who was a great rebounder, um, and, and just was kind of a, a difference maker at center. Could be one of your best players on the floor. I think they would definitely get that if they got J- uh, Jani, I uh, almost called him Johnny again, Jani Broom,
1: the Broom Man, sweep it up. <laughs> Why is it that outside of just being good, why is it that people are so enthralled with this guy as a member of Bruce Pearl's team?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I, I think in the case of broom, it's just, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of easy kind of plug and play ability with him. Um, you know, he, he, he rebounds a ton. He was, a, he was a great scoring threat for Morehead state, but it was just an awesome shot blocker. And you think about Auburn's defense this past season, and how so much of their defense is success. I mean, this was a top 10 defense was the best defense Auburn has had under Bruce Pearl. I think it's statistically ended up being the best defense Bruce Pearl has had as a D one coach. A lot of that was because of what we've, what we talked about throughout the season though. It's like, you know, when you have Walker Kessler down low, you can funnel a lot of stuff to him, right? You can gamble, you can press, you can get up there in the backcourt knowing that you've got that, you know, that elite shot blocker around the rim. And now, he's not as tall as Walker Kessler is and blocking shots at a high rate in the OVC is different than blocking shots at a high rate in the sec. But if you're looking at say, okay, go into the portal and take, you know, how are you going to replace a guy like Kessler in terms of his rim protection? This guy on paper is the best option you've got right now um, that you could go get. And so it makes a ton of sense. There's familiarity there. Um, You know, he did play against Auburn, Um, I believe he played against uh, Wendell Green several times uh, when they were both in the OVC. Um, So there's some really good familiarity there. Uh, And I just think, I I think more than anything, though, I think he can give you a lot of the stuff that Kessler gave you this past season in terms of play style, but also kind of give a little bit of a different look in in terms of how he plays uh, on offense. And uh, I, I think you know the most success, the most successful part of Auburn's DNA last season in basketball was its defense and so you ask like why are people so high on you know, on him him coming to Auburn um i think it's just because like this would be the best way to replace a guy like Kessler in terms of can you still play that same style of defense have that same sort of structure defensively and be that successful even if you don't have this elite elite um you know shot blocker uh, and and Walker Kessler anymore.
1: The phrase secondary playmaker has been tossed around on this podcast over the last few weeks, something that Auburn might've lacked at times during the season, especially in its losses. Does he add that element?
0: Not as much. He's kind of more of a a traditional big man. Um, You know, kind of can be a little bit more of a back to the basket type of player at times. I think he's really good at rim running and his athleticism I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anything about his game that would make him a better playmaker or a better passer than necessarily Kessler was, because I thought there were some times this season where Kessler played really well in that in that regard. Um, I think I think Yoan uh, Traor is probably more of an impact player in that area. I definitely think Chance Westry can be a, a big time playmaker in that area um, and, and give you a boost there. And, and of course, I think I think the big thing that we're really looking to see for Auburn. Is, you know, could this be a situation where, um, could this be a situation where just having a healthy Allen Flanagan, a, a hundred percent, you know, playing to his full capacity, Allen Flanagan, can that just be what you missed? Because, you know, two seasons ago when he had to play some of that point guard spot, um, you know, it wasn't his natural position, but like, I think he's still there were times where he could control the game and he could create for others as well as create for himself at such a high rate um, that it made him a better player. Now the Achilles injury really sapped a lot of that, that momentum for him this season. But I I really do think that if, if you get back to Alan Flanagan, like he's fully capable of playing, I think he can solve a lot of that problem and take some of that pressure off of Wendell green junior to be the guy because he was such a good assist man this season but when he wasn't cl- clicking at, at, at you know at the, at the highest level, or when defenses were making a more concerted effort to slow him down, it, it looked like Auburn's shot making just wasn't quite the same. Optimism, there it is. There Feeling you Feeling go. good about
1: the roster on one team.
0: Before we before we move to football, though, also got to mention that um, you know Broom is not the only player that Auburn is looking at. Uh, right now in the transfer portal, who is a big man. The other one, and this is a big one um, in terms of talent, is uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield.
1: Oh, Brand- yeah. I probably shouldn't be so eager to skip skip over this guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Bra- Brandon Huntley Hatfield. It's really interesting because I think when you're going after Broom and you're going after Huntley Hatfield as well, it's like could it be a situation where Auburn could bring in both? I don't know, but I think Auburn's definitely getting in the mix there uh, for him uh he is expected to visit uh auburn this week uh john rothstein um reporting uh for cbs that uh, he's going to smu early this week he's coming to auburn on thursday and friday he's going to louisville over the weekend wake forest in the midweek next week in arizona state uh next weekend um so lining up those visits right there auburn an interesting spot i mean Look at Louisville's got a new head coach. Wake Forest uh, was a team that was, um, you know, kind of on the door of making the tournament this year. Arizona State trying to reset after what was not a great year for them. We know the Cambridges are over there now, and SMU was uh, SMU was was a really good team out of the AAC this year. Brandon Huntley Hatfield um, was a top top player um, uh, coming out of high school. Uh, Another five star. Um, He was a top thirty player pretty much no matter where you look um, in in terms of your recruiting uh, outlet of choice, top 30 player, five-star, six, you know, listed at 6'10 at at Tennessee. Auburn was a, uh, was a contender for him at one point in his high school recruitment process. Ole Miss was as well. Memphis also, uh, you know, kind of, kind of getting in there from, from him. A guy that um, just this season at, Tennessee. I think there was a lot of people who had a ton of uh, high hopes for Huntley Hatfield at Tennessee. He just didn't get on the floor quite as much uh, because of the guys ahead of him in the rotation. You look at it. They had Josiah Jordan-James. They had Uros Plosic, uh They had John Fulkerson. Um, those are three big men that uh, played um, just were older than them. All those, all three of those guys were um, upperclassmen. They just got you know more minutes. And Josiah Jordan James was a guy who could also play out on the wing as well. But uh, Tennessee really liked that lineup where they played uh, Ziegler and Chandler and Viscovi all at the same time. So that took away even more opportunities for for Huntley Hatfield. So this is just a five star guy that you know down the stretch of the season you go and look. Um, for Tennessee was playing you know late in the year was playing about. 15 to 20 minutes a night. So this is not like a guy who just was, was sitting on the bench. He was just a, a backup big man behind some really experienced guys. I think Tennessee's returning quite a few uh, players up front next season uh, because of the COVID year, because of, you know, extra, extra chances and, and stuff like that. And some of these guys not going to the NBA, it's more of the backcourt uh, that you're looking at right there with, uh, with Tennessee last season player had pretty good rebounding numbers pretty good shooting uh uh, numbers not a three-point shooter uh, but a guy who's kind of more of a traditional power forward type of player just a lot of upside um and so it'd be interesting to see if Auburn brought him in if they they were able to to land him uh, as they were in the mix this is another former five-star guy they really like coming out of high school I think he fits a lot of what you could what they did with um you know what they could do with a guy like Broom. Maybe not as as maybe not as established at the college level yet as a defender, but a guy with with a ton of upside and a ton of talent, great athleticism. His breakdown of him coming out of high school uh, was that you know he he was he had really great size, really good frame for somebody you know at, at the power forward position. Um, can play face-up, can play with his back to the basket. You know, just a really good offensive piece. I, it strikes me a lot like uh, Treyor. you know, in, in a number of ways, just maybe not as much of, a, of, a, of an outside shooter, which was an area that Treor got better at uh, recently. You know, if you look at 247's uh, evaluation to him coming out of high school, the, the comp that was made for them was, was Julius Randle. So, I mean, I think you're talking about that type of player, uh, offensive kind of power forward. A weapon there it'd be very interesting to see what Auburn could do with him and and Treyor at the same time and you know what what this means for their pursuit of uh, of Broom. but um I think if Auburn lands one of either of these two guys they're in a really really good spot moving forward and um so uh Auburn getting in the mix for a guy that uh that you know for another former five-star guy with a lot of upside and, and we know what Auburn's track record here is especially recently painter with uh with Former five star who did not play quite as much at his first spot, but could you know um, get some opportunities at his at his second location. I think I think the uh, I think the Walker Kessler uh, success story this past season could could be very convincing for a guy like Huntley Hatfield.
1: Well, I think that about does it for that part of the show. Yeah, basketball yeah. feeling good.
0: Yeah, just a lot of uh, you know a lot of, of guys in the portal right now that Auburn's trying to get in the mix for I think we're seeing more kind of a focus in the front court um just because of some of the guys moving on elsewhere one more name I wanted to kind of mention just because he has been uh he has been thrown out there as as an option um I want to mention Antoine Davis um he is a Birmingham native um that uh Auburn has reached out to uh when he entered the uh entered the uh, transfer portal last week late last week um he is uh let's see he he is visiting maryland kansas state and georgetown um Cincinnati's is in there as well auburn reached out i don't know what his chances are uh with him uh but uh he uh averaged <laughs> he's averaging nearly twenty five points a game for his career he was at uh he was at Detroit Mercy. Um, and, uh, you know, Auburn just at least reached out to him. I know Kentucky did as well. It seems like some other schools are, are positioning themselves ahead, but Alabama kid who can, who can score in buckets, um, you know, just a, just a name. It might not be one that, that Auburn catches fire with just because it looks like some other teams are already getting in line for the, for the, for the visits, but, um, yeah, well, one of the best scores in college basketball over the last several years is in the portal, and Auburn at least made a move for him. At one point, we'll see how much uh, interest uh, is uh, is reciprocated there moving forward. Just keep in mind, um, keep him in mind, uh, you know, moving forward. Like I said, looks like some more of the schools in the Northeast are uh, in the Midwest or, or position themselves pretty well for him. Oh, uh, also, a painter in our show notes. She wanted to mention. Uh, scotty pippen jr is this was this, is this yeah this? i mean he
1: it seems like he's going to the nba yep. uh he's the kind of player that i would love to have on the team there's perhaps nothing more frustrating in basketball and auburn actually did this somewhat recently than a player or a team that just gets to the free throw line a ton and knows what to do and knows where to be on the court and obviously all those things apply to him through various levels of skill and the fact that he grew up with the pedigree that he did. Is it true that he's being mocked solidly as a second-round guy? Or are there also first-round murmurs with him? Because it's like one of those things where he may just be ready to go pro. Like, some guys put their name in, they get an agent, they come back. And I wonder if he really has any consideration. If he's like, if I'm first-round, great. If I'm second-round, great. Either way, Scotty is going.
0: It seems like second-round is the more likely spot for him. I think there were some folks thinking like he might come back for yet another year. He's played three years at Vanderbilt, like you said, Painter. One of the one of the biggest foul magnets in college basketball this past season. Um, you know, he had you know, he shot twenty one free throws against Alabama in that SEC tournament win. They got him, I believe. That was yeah. They they went not super far, but they went decently far in the NIT with him getting to the line a lot. Yeah, Pippen's a guy that I think a lot of SEC teams are going to be glad that he's gone just because he was such a tough dude to stay in front of, such a tough dude to keep from getting to the free throw line, Um, and and he played that off really, really well. I do wonder what his skill set looks like outside of that and what if NBA teams are kind of maybe saying, okay, well, you know, what else do you got in your game? What else do you got um, that that we can kind of lean on uh, here? But, um, yeah, more like a second-round guy seems like uh seems like his time to to go is now you know I thought some people were surprised that he came back for a third season uh at Vanderbilt so um sounds like the time is right uh for Pippen to go to the to the next level and uh yeah I I think uh you know whenever Auburn crosses up with Vanderbilt next season I think there's going to be uh some coaches and some players that are just very happy that they don't have to deal with him anymore
1: since Auburn won, it was fun for me on the whole, but, you know, I get to understand how in a closer game that might have been a nuisance. What, that game was pretty close for the first half or even mm-hmm. somewhat into the second half, and, I mean, the guy couldn't do it all. But, anyway, he best of luck nine. to him.
0: He scored 29 in that game against Auburn and was 14 to 16 from the line in that game.
1: And I was kind of, it was like, hey, it'd be kind of cool if, if Scottie Pippen, if Daddy was sitting in Neville Arena. I wouldn't have hated that either.
0: Yeah, there's been some famous fathers that have gone to uh, come to come to the arena um, in the last several years. It Scottie Pippen seeing his son Scottie Pippen Jr. play. Uh, Ron Artest.
1: I was gonna say I couldn't remember who it was, but that's who it was. Artest.
0: Yeah, Artest had a player. Uh, his his son uh, played at Cal State Northridge uh, when Auburn beat him a couple of seasons ago. Um, I believe that's right. Yeah, Ron Artest Jr. Uh, came off the bench for Cal State Northridge in the 2020 season, um, the the season that got cut short, or the 1920 season that got cut short due to COVID. Um, yeah, there's there's been some there's been some interesting ones uh, around, and obviously, um, you know, Auburn having Jabari Smith, uh, senior at, at all their games, uh, former NBA player and, and and obviously a standout at LSU. Uh, in his own right. So, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see uh kind of we're we're getting to this 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 stretch right now where more and more guys um that have that you know that you can remember playing or having you know our sons are are getting into into the league or you know getting into the college level. I think all, I think I saw this as football, but I think the other day I saw Alabama had offered Drake Kirkpatrick Patrick Jr.
1: That one um, really blew my mind. That yeah. one got me good because I was in high school and he was blowing up himself.
0: Ooh, yeah, yeah. And apparently, Dre Jr.'s not that bad of a football player himself. Um, oh, I'm
1: shocked! I can't believe it. The guy that <laughs>
0: <laughs> the guy that was just a menace.
1: His yeah. son's good, huh?
0: Yeah. So I we'll see we'll see how much more of that uh, kind of happens. And 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 I think in the SEC, you know, we mentioned our test that was obviously Cal State Northridge, but. Um, the SEC just has just this, you know, really good rep. And even if guys didn't play in SEC schools, you know, the the, the amount of the the amount of sports in the SEC that are growing outside of football that are growing in um, kind of prominence, I think, is just making it a whole lot easier for. It's like, yeah, yeah, send your kid send your kid somewhere in the southeast to to play uh, to play sports that'll be a much it's better warmer. time. It's warmer. I
1: can assure yep. you that that means more to me now than it did a year ago. Uh, yep. You're right. Yep. There is certainly more national attention here over the last half decade with SEC basketball obviously the league itself has done a good job of promoting itself. And you know what while we're talking about talent in the league, I don't know if we're done with basketball but I do have a sidebar about the transfer portal which okay. is not a new or profound statement it is just happening now and I can see it happening and people pointed this out when we knew the transfer portal was about to become a thing but it is funny to imagine those out there and the portal is good and I'm here for it and it you know it may hurt your team from time to time like when Auburn goes through a coaching change whether it be in basketball or in football That could be a tough time for you. Look at Will Wade and LSU. Now, they've got some things going on because of the sanctions that are going to make life particularly tough on them. But I'm saying all this to say, wow, what a blessing it must be for Nick Saban to get to scout players for a year or two and be like, well, we missed this guy or we we let this guy go or maybe Georgia or someone else you know, got first crack at him. But we've watched him for a year. We really like him. We think he should come play here. What a nice fit that guy will be.
0: Yeah, the Jameer Gibbs at, at Alabama is still just the most ridiculous thing to me. Um This was a dude who was an elite recruit coming out of high school, and he went to Georgia Tech, and obviously Georgia Tech is not doing super hot right now.
1: What an uh, easy decision if you're him. Yeah.
0: oh I mean, heck, they, they, it's not they, that far away. They got Henry uh from – um from Tennessee that way. Um, Jamison Williams was not like necessarily everybody thought was, you know, the guy coming out of Ohio State. You know, he, he left because he wasn't going to have as many opportunities behind, you know, Olave and those dudes. Uh, but, yeah, it's just uh, the richer obviously always going to get richer. Anything that changes in college sports, when it whether it's NIL or the transfer portal or, you know, anything like that. The the programs that are the best in either sport, football or basketball, the ones we talk about on here in either sport, they're they're going to they're going to figure it out. They're going to get the resources.
1: They got the history. They've got the best sales pitches. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? But it has been funny to I mean, because like some of the references you just made there are some really highly touted guys. Like it's funny to think about, you know, Jamison being behind all those people at Ohio state and then getting there. And it's like, Oh, okay, here we are. Yeah. So, um, so have fun well, with that. Auburn one more thing for you to contend with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be a, it'll be, it'll be a time. Um, and, uh, obviously the, the transfer portal will be important for Auburn here. These next few weeks and months as spring football comes to an end, pretty much, Across the Everywhere. board in college football, yep, and um, more guys are into the portal left and right. I mean, we we saw a run of it on Monday, uh, in in college football, and I think Auburn, with recruiting opening back up and, and things getting back in full swing again, Auburn's going to, want to take advantage there as well before we get into it
1: have you seen any numbers recently about how many guys are transferring and not landing in a new spot with a scholarship because i know some people are trying to track this it's an interesting thing again i'm here for the transfer portal but i I do think it is interesting to note like how many of these guys leave thinking there are greener pastures and then it's like oh well maybe not
0: yeah i haven't seen any updated numbers on that yet but i know or, you know, last year it was an issue. Guys had to drop down to FCS, and that has a ripple effect that goes down. It's just, yeah, I mean, player movement is great, but it's, uh, but as long as you cap in and, and football, as long as you cap it, that, okay, you can only bring in this many more transfers, you know, over the, the 25 limit, it's like, yeah, that's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because, you know, even if you're a team like – like, I think Auburn's a good example. You lose all these guys at the transfer portal, but you can't replace all of them. So there might be opportunities elsewhere, and, and and there might be, you know, well, these guys are leaving. There's got to be spots. It's not always the case. It's not always the case. Um, before we dig into football a little bit more, let's take a break here real quick and uh, and, and tell you about uh, a couple of things. First off, uh, our friends at homefieldapparel.com.
1: They're making the number great one, shirts, folks.
0: Number, great shirts. I'm currently wearing a Utah State one right now. It's wonderful, it's super comfortable. I played golf in a home field shirt the other day. Uh, my golf game's not great, but uh, I felt but you good. you were comfortable, you were looking good. That's right, that's right, and that's half the battle for sure. Uh, home field is your place to get the best uh, collegiate apparel that you're going to find anywhere. We're talking T-shirts, we're talking hoodies, we're talking crew necks, we're talking joggers for, for some specific schools. Um, you can get it all at yeah, home field only
1: some schools get the joggers yeah, yeah only if you're <laughs> you gotta, nice enough oh and they've got to like you enough
0: yeah uh you can get them at at home field their auburn collection is one of the best in the business like, right now look they have 20 20 things on sale right now for sale for auburn right now that you can go get we're talking Old football t-shirts, old basketball t-shirts with great old designs on them. There's a baseball t-shirt. There's a couple of really good hoodies on there. Um, There's some peacock stuff. You're not going to want to miss out on it. Homefieldapparel.com. 15% off your first order if you use the promo code Observer when you're checking out. It's Homefield Apparel. They've got schools coming in left and right. They're refreshing. It's that time of year. Painter, I know this is important to you. We're recording this on a Monday. so it will come out on Tuesday. On Wednesday, Virginia Tech gets two new T-shirts for home field. I know your, I know your, 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 your hokey, your hokey boys are uh, 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 getting, uh, getting some more home field love. That's a big one. Colors
1: that can objectively be tough to work with at times. Yeah. I must admit. However, I have grown on burgundy over the last few years. Just saying, that's personal, that's anecdotal. But if you're a burgundy kind of guy
0: or gal, join me. They're also giving Alabama two new T-shirts, which you know. I, I would want, I would some point of you out, probably
1: know an Alabama person in your life. Gift I would, them a home field Alabama shirt.
0: I would point out some Auburn fans are being like, oh, I got to, the Alabama's getting new stuff. I'm going to point out your basketball team was so good this year that they put out three different pieces of stuff just for basketball season. Just Speaking for, just of for which, basketball. do we think
1: peacocking will extend past the one season, or do you think it's a moment in time, a place in history, that Auburn fans embraced – What maybe doesn't stick with the basketball program for years to come?
0: Uh, You know, I, I, am glad you brought that up because I I think there's going to be some remnants of it over the, over the years moving forward. I think that's always going to be part of Auburn basketball's identity as a fan base. I think people are always going to want to lean into that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Being annoying and being prideful. Um, I think this certain team last year, just because of Jabari and Walker and just all the, the factors that went into it, maybe they might be the peak of it, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see what that, what it means moving forward. I think, I think if you were looking for Peacock um, worthy, another Peacock worthy team, obviously, um, man, I mean, I know we're doing ad reads right now, but man, Auburn gymnastics, getting to the final four and, putting on a show on thursday to get to that to that spot you talk about a a sport where like literal peacocking is like really good to do uh, especially on like the floor routines and stuff like that super successful season for auburn gymnastics best one in school history you got you know arguably the best or right up there best in men's basketball history so i think there was a little bit of peacocking going on with uh, the fan base with gymnastics this year and um, i don't think that's going to slow down either so um uh, maybe it'll hang around for a while I hope it does. I, I I think it's fun. I think it's cool. Uh, yeah, um, it, was, it
1: was a fun season, both sports. It was also especially fun at how mad opposing fans would oh, be. Oh, so mad. Whether it was, you know, an Arkansas fan being mad about the basketball game or Mississippi State and Georgia fans pointing out that they won the football game. It's like, that's correct. We're not talking about that. So... <laughs> That's good for you. However, that is going to come full circle.
0: That yeah, it'll come full like, circle. We, you know, somewhere. and you know
1: what? You just got to eat it. Like it's yeah. going to be tough. I'm one of the ones. I had my fun. When football comes, you know, like <laughs> you got to roll with the punches, baby.
0: Yeah, and look, you know, it's Auburn football. It might be better than you expected. Yeah, you talk about an unpredictable team. That's that's it. That's the program. So, you know, be. Be ready to roll with the punches, good or bad. I think that's the that's the key there. As we're talking about all this, AuburnObserver.com. Some of you who are listening to this are already subscribers. We appreciate you guys very, very much. You get a bonus po- podcast once a week. Sometimes you get two of them a week. You got the gymnastics one last week as well. Um, but if you like the show and you want more of it, AuburnObserver.com. $6 a month or $60 a year. There will be links to sign up in the description or in the email that you got. Uh, hop on board, and you get also get all of the newsletters uh, that we write and reference on here uh, from time to time um, sent straight to your email inbox. Um, you know, most mornings around 6 a.m. Central Time uh, covering football and men's basketball. So if you want more of the show or if you want more of what we do here, uh, auburnobserver.com, sign up there. You also can help us out for absolutely no money down by doing one... Very important thing, and what's that, painter? For no money down, rate, review,
1: subscribe. Probably, probably in the Apple Podcast Here area. You? I mean, you can do the the five starring on Spotify.
0: We uh, we yeah. we want you to do that as well.
1: Yeah, go to both. I know most of you probably have that. So, rate, review, subscribe. If you're doing Apple Podcasts, just search the Auburn Observer because you're probably right now. Uh, you know, you're already there. Maybe, maybe you've got your private feed. I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know your situation. But you mm-hmm. got to get on the public, normal feed to do the rating, the reviewing, and subscribing. We appreciate yeah. that.
0: It's been a little while since we've had another written review. So, if you want to be a part of the show and you want us to uh, say say nice things about us, so we can be very vain and inflate our egos, uh, give us a, give us a written review. Um, we joke about it a lot, but yeah. Leaving five stars, leaving an actual written review means a lot. It gets more people, you know, uh, their eyeballs uh, onto the product and gets more people listening. It's the easiest, easiest way. If you like what we do uh, and you want us to keep doing more of it, it's the easiest way uh, to help us out in that regard. That costs absolutely no money. So write a review, We'll read it out on the podcast, Uh, but uh, more importantly, it helps us out a ton. And we appreciate all of those of you who have done that to this point. So. Want more of the podcast? Auburnobserver. Um, and uh, if you want to help us out, Apple Podcasts. Since they literally invented the genre, uh, they kind of can control the world from that regard. All right, let's talk some football. Painter, you had uh, you had a few topics you wanted to talk about on football, um, and you know I'm always ready to just roll with the punches, whatever. So, lob one to me. Let's get it started. Where where do we want to go?
1: Hmm, of these choices that we have, I think I'm going to start with this one. Can Tank be productive? And I'm going to answer my own question naturally. Can Tank be productive given the rest of the likely limitations on offense? My short answer, and then I will allow you to give a much smarter answer, is I am surprised he came back because this offense is clearly going through an overhaul. And last year, things were not good for the run game. Not against good nope. competition.
0: Nope. So, this is the interesting thing about this team. I thought last season, especially when Bo Nicks was healthy, I mean, Auburn had their best passing year since Jarrett Stidham was around, um, you know, through the air, uh, when Bo Nicks was healthy. wasn't perfect. There were all, obviously some games that weren't as great, but for the most part, the numbers were good with him on the field. Yet the running game could never really click in that same way. Auburn had to throw the ball more than they ran the ball last season, which was something I don't think we really expected. When we hear, you know, people like uh, Eric Kysel and 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 Brian Harson and, and other members of this of this staff and and even the players say, "Hey, we want to build this game on a down, build this team on a downhill running game. Do all this up." This team was a little more pass-heavy than they were run-heavy last season. They were a little, little, you know, a little bit of lean. It was pretty balanced, but a little lean in more towards the passing game. And a big reason for that is because they could not run the ball effectively uh, against quality competition, like you said, Painter. Um, so uh, it wasn't – I mean, I, I to me – this it changed definitely down the stretch of the season, right? It definitely changed once Bo Nix was hurt and TJ Finley came into the picture. And Auburn obviously wasn't as effective throwing the ball – with Finley compared to Knicks. the stats speak for themselves there. But if you look at Tank Bigsby's numbers last season, thousand-yard rusher, ten touchdowns, good numbers, good, almost five yards a carry, solid, solid. Here's the issue there. Um, last season, Tank Bigsby um, averaged five point eight yards per carry against, or five point nine yards per carry against non-power five teams, six point six yards per carry in the two games against teams that didn't have winning records. Uh, you know, averaged 11 yards a carry in an FCS game last season, but it drops off from there in conference play. He averaged just four, uh, four point two three yards per carry. But the problem is that it really started to taper off down the stretch. It was you know four point three eight in October, four point one one in November. Auburn as a whole running the ball wasn't quite as good. Now four, four rushing yards a game isn't terrible, and and Bigsby was almost at five last season. Well, then you think about how Jarquez Hunter was very ineffective down the stretch. You think about how you didn't get very much you know, in the running game to help it out when Bo Nix was hurt. And
1: I'll just interject. It's always about the expectations, right, wrong, right. or indifferent. Yeah. The backdrop of this is going into the season, we're talking about Tank Bigsby as maybe the best running back in the conference and one of the best backs in football. And at least statistically, that did not hold up
0: no it didn't it 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 didn't hold up and you know here's the thing And you ask Painter can this offense you know can Tank Bigsby still be successful when Auburn's offense is still I mean look they're reloading through the passing game you know we talked about the lead uh the lead question in the in the mailbag last Friday was about FPI why the heck Auburn was 10th in FPI really stupid um, when you look at stuff like SP+, a better and more thought out and just, you know, just stronger way of looking at um, preseason ratings and, and, and analytics that ESPN has in-house with Bill Connolly doesn't make any sense to me why they still use FBI. Uh, Incredibly stupid, in and I love it. I love yeah, it so much. <laughs> like, could we do Very.
1: something that is, is unnecessary and probably not as good? Are we already paying someone to do this very well?
0: The amount of really good and really smart people who work at ESPN uh, compared to a lot of the dumb stuff they do and and things that they choose to uh, magnify and and promote still. We love the
1: suits, folks. We love them. Unreal.
0: Um, But, like, you look at SP Plus, what SP SP Plus says when you look at projecting an offense, it says, well, the most valuable thing an offense can bring back from year to year is passing yards and receiving yards. One, two, boom. That's what you need. Auburn is not returning a lot in either of those areas this season, so it's going to be a reset. So even though you have your rushing yards coming back, even though you have offensive line starts coming back, like on paper, Auburn's offensive line, when you see it, has many guys they have with starting experience coming back this season. Other than you wish that you had more terms of in terms of production or like star power, um, you know, overall talent level, just on paper, though, like the returning starts is a big thing for for offensive lines. Um, you have what should be the foundation of what should be a stronger rushing attack. But like you're saying, Painter, like if the passing game is not very threatening, you're not going to be able to have much success at all. You know, with your with your running game, because teams are going to be able to stack the box and make life difficult to that difficult against you that way. Now, there were times last season where Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter ran into stacked boxes. That, I think, was a little bit more of an overblown narrative. I think Auburn just, even even in spots where they didn't have stacked boxes, they just were not good enough at blocking, running the ball. And take Bigsby and Jarcos Hunter's numbers suffered against quality competition because of it. The interesting thing about this team this year is going to be this. We know we know that Brian Harson and Eric Kiesel, as you know, a, a tandem as offensive coaches, uh, both of those guys in their histories, they don't have a ton of experience with running quarterbacks. Bonex was kind of going to be the guy to break that mold um, this past season. One of the things that having a running quarterback helps you out with is that when the, the box is starting to be stacked on you a little bit, when things are a little bit tougher running. Um, you hear people talk about it. It helps you play 11 on 11. Meaning, if your quarterback is a threat to keep the ball instead of handing it off and, and being a weapon with his legs, it opens things up naturally a little bit more for your offense. Tank, uh, Tank Bigsby was able to benefit from the fact that Bo Nix could run, and there were times, even though Bo Nix was not, you know, even though Bo Nix was not uh, in an offense built for the running back or uh, the quarterback to be a running threat, there were times where he took advantage of that. This season, it's a little different or a lot different, depending on who the starting quarterback is. T.J. Finley, not the runner that Bo Nix is. Um, Zach Calzada, not the runner that Bo Nix is, or that a regular Russian quarterback, uh, running quarterback is. You've got a guy in Robbie Ashford that I think has the ability to do that, but again, how much is this offense going to let him do that? We saw in the eight a game, take him take a zone read and and do some of that stuff. I think situationally, and even even in the in the past when Harson hasn't had necessarily quote dual threat quarterbacks, but guys with some good athleticism to him use them situationally use them as you know in the red zone in 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 uh in situations where you know you could you could add a little bit of a wrinkle there how much does that change um priority number one though is this Auburn's got to be able to throw the ball in order for the for the rushing attack to be at its best this team can run the ball more than it throws the ball right but they've got to be effective when they do throw the ball right there was this talk that you know during spring of like okay could Auburn can Auburn be a run first offense and win in today's a in today's day and age in college football, and I think Georgia proved last season that yes you can. Now, of course Georgia has elite offensive talent and they had a quarterback that did his job really really well and they had insane weapons at wide receiver and especially at tight end last season.
1: And as good as all those weapons are on offense, they had. <laughs> they had a defense. Like, yeah, Good exactly. God.
0: But you don't have to be Alabama. You don't have to be 2020 Alabama or 2019 LSU to win college football games and win at a high level, right? Auburn, with a, with a backup quarterback, played defense and ran the ball and almost won the Iron Bowl last season, right? It still can work, you know? It's not the sexiest thing in the world, but it can still work. They've got to be able to be effective when they throw the ball. They've got whoever the starter is they've got a and and it's not going to be firing on all cylinders early. This is a passing attack that's going to have to grow over time. But I think yes, I believe Auburn can run the ball first and foremost and be successful this season. Um I think too it is I mean
1: it's a bit semantics on my part so i'm sorry for being a little annoying here but like what is success being right. refined as right. because if you're looking to
0: and i don't think people be better to this be podcast, better on offense than you were last than you were last yeah because the more expectation is year. to yeah. win
1: your division <laughs> i don't think many people but yeah, if, no, you, if you if you win really eight tough. games you know like i've said before under the Malzon era losing four games a year was becoming very tiresome and it is still tiresome but to the backdrop of how a- Auburn finished last season, eighty-four yes. this year is like okay, well,
0: it would exceed expectations, and it would show that you are improving, right? That's what I think success would be this year. You know, Josh Dub asked the question in the mailbag: What does success look like for a starting quarterback? I think like just like they're not Heisman-winning numbers, but like just get back to being, you know, a, an offense that just has middle of middle mid-tier or higher numbers, right, in the SEC like that that shows progress is built like where you're at right now for Auburn football. You don't expect them to win a championship this season. Now Auburn has a tendency to surprise a lot of people, but even still, I think when you look at the makeup of the team, you look at what they're going up against, it's going to be really, really difficult for them to make a ton of noise this season. Okay. But what gets them to the point where it's like, okay, we built from last season. And again, when, 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 when Brian Harson was hired, we said this before, any of the situation happened you know uh, in, in February before the exodus of guys that went out in the portal before any of the before the five game losing streak to end the season right before any of that we said the Brian Harson hire was going to be one that was built for the long term right so this you know what they do this season even the, even though this is win now college football and, and and your rivals are at the peak and the peak of college football at the moment this is not you know you're not a finished product in terms of a program in 2022 but when you say success can you be better than you were last year can you win more games can your offense put you in a position to be more consistent and more competitive if that's the case yes I think they can run the ball more than they pass the ball and be be successful when they throw the ball they better make it count and so who they get to throw the football and who they get to catch the football is going to be obviously very important there
1: What was the statistic you once – I don't know if it was actually a Conley thing from a few years back, but the returning production between quarterback and wide receiver is often a good indicator of what it is you can expect from the offense in the upcoming season,
0: yes or no? It's like 60 or 70% of the offense.
1: So it's like even if one of those three quarterbacks ends up having a nice season that exceeds expectations – what are you getting out of the wide receiver room is still just as big of a question because like
0: shed Jackson
1: and Javarius Johnson for all the things we'd like to think they can do. Well, haven't exactly thrown up impressive numbers at their time at Auburn.
0: No. And like, honestly, unless your name is Seth Williams or have a little run of Duke Williams, like you really haven't really had those Darius Slayton at times. Like Auburn just doesn't has not had a whole lot of consistent wide receiver success over the years. So it's something they want to build. Um, where I think Auburn is making the smart decision right now where I will say, okay, this, what they were doing in, in, in the in the spring and what they were talking about in the spring made a lot of sense. When you say, hey, we want to build this game around a downhill rushing attack, smart, great. One of the things I've seen, I saw though, is our tight ends, we have a ton of them, let's move around, let's get them in a, in a lot of different situations, let's take full advantage of the fact that we have really good tight ends coming back, and help out the fact that we have an experienced wide receiver. And then number two, use Tank Bigsby in a variety of ways instead of just run the ball up the middle or bounce it to the outside. Using him more as a receiving weapon. Using him more as somebody you can move around. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, is it going to work? I don't know. But, like, on paper, it makes a ton of sense. Well, ultimately what this is going to come down to is what what Auburn's problem was last season. The guys up front have to be better at blocking. They have to literally just do a better job of clearing lanes and making opportunities happen for the running game, right? Because as we saw last season, there were times when Auburn was not facing loaded boxes and when they were when they were not, you know, struggling in the passing game as much as they did towards the end of the season, and they still couldn't run the ball effectively against quality competition. That has got to change. That 100% has to change, and it's going to come down to those, those offensive linemen. Like, those offensive linemen – as we said recently, like this is the best you're going to get right now, right? You were not going to be able to rebuild in the, in, the, in the transfer portal on the offensive line. You weren't going to be able to get two or three or four guys and completely change what you were up front. Offensive line is a position group where you have to develop and you have to take more time. And, yes, Auburn's recruiting struggles, and this goes on for years and years.
1: Over multiple we- staffs, which has yes. shocked yes. me. Yes. That part has been impressive. That two staffs now have been like, offensive line, We'll circle back to that.
0: You will have to, like, it's going to take that much time or even longer to get out of that hole, all right? But at, the, at this juncture right now, getting all those guys to come back, all those fifth- and sixth-year seniors to come back, that was the best-case scenario for this upcoming season. We've talked about that. So for Auburn, it's just, can, can that experience and being in the second year of the system, is that going to mean anything this year? And I don't know. I don't know. And you couldn't get a good look at that in the spring because half those dudes were hurt. And the most important thing for them was like, yeah, you know the plays. You've been here before. I mean, some of these guys have been here for a very, very long time. They've got it at this point. It's just get healthy and then do something with it once you get into the season. We can talk about them throwing the ball a little bit more. We can talk about about them throwing the ball better. We can talk about Tank Bigsby expanding his game and trying to be better in, in, in certain areas. The fact of the line is uh, the the fact of the matter is, if they don't block better up front in 2022, they are going to not have a whole lot of success on uh, on offense. It is the one position group where everybody's got to do their job on a consistent basis; otherwise, nothing works out, right? And on paper, you would have everything you would want in Auburn realistically at this point. Yes, it would be great if they had more four and five star offensive linemen that ain't happening that's just uh, that's just not that was not going to change from one off season to the next It's the situation you're in and you got to make the most of it that's what they've got to do and so i think they can run the ball and be successful i think they can run the ball be a more of a run first offense and have success because it would be giving the ball to their best player and building around that um but it's going to come down to if those guys can block because even in games where they were not overloaded in the box they still had a hard time moving the, moving the ball on the ground and that's going to be very very difficult because you're going to face a lot of teams this season that have some insane depth and talent on the defensive front folks we've done it again what's that what have, what have we done again analysis Ah, uh, yes analysis that's 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 what we're here for folks is there anything else you want to discuss before we go I think we squeezed enough
1: juice out of that one. You know, there was a, there were a few more things on the docket, but uh, that's why you subscribe to the Auburn
0: Observer so that you get two podcasts a week, folks. That's right. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've got some more stuff in the works with the podcast moving forward. We want to uh, probably have some more interviews, have some more guests on. Do, do a little bit more creative stuff here in the off season. We did um, get
1: some positive feedback recently. We got some, we've if you got have several
0: suggestions, that's
1: great. We like, and it can be constructive criticism, which was oh, what some of this was. And it was hundred percent was.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the fee- the people who give us feedback are very, very nice. And you know, we always, we always appreciate it. We received several messages these pa- this past week of people being like, Hey, maybe this could help out the podcast or, you know, maybe this could be interesting. And it's like, yeah, that's, you know, we want to hear from you guys. Um, and We want to hear your suggestions. Um, we joke so. about
1: the reviews being positive and all that, but if, if you are sending us constructive criticism, it will in the long run obviously benefit everyone here if we can make this more entertaining.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. We're gonna try to we're gonna try to do some of that stuff that you guys have suggested here in the next few months and and you yeah, try to shake it up a little bit. Um, but like Paner said, you can get the bonus podcast if you're subscribed to the Observer. We will push that out on Friday morning uh, this week. Um, Also this week, let's see, uh, newsletter, there will be a Wednesday newsletter, a Thursday newsletter, and the Friday mailbag. Wednesday, I'm going to do a story on Wendell Green Jr., unless anything blows up between now and then. I want to do a story kind of diving in with him, kind of like what we did with Jalen Williams uh, a couple weeks ago, kind of diving in of like, okay, what did he do? What could that mean moving forward? Um, You know, kind of. Not really an exit interview, but kind of, you know, these, these these kind of player, deeper dive player analysis pieces for guys who are coming back. I want to do a little bit more of them, so you got that coming up. Mailbag as well. Send in your questions if you've got any for those. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that'll, uh, that'll do it for this edition of the podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate everybody uh, being patient uh, for uh, a little bit of a, of a delay for the holiday. And uh, we will talk to you guys again. Either later this week or early next week. Painter, final thoughts.
1: Which school has won the most national championships in football? Alabama, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Princeton.
0: Doesn't Princeton claim like a hundred of them at the front end of college football? You
1: are, and you're doing the smart test-taking thing. It's like, one of these is not like the other. You are correct. Uh, Princeton, with 28 claimed national titles beginning in 1869, and there's a nice line here that I think probably fits a lot of schools, not just uh, Princeton, although debate exists about the mythical nature of those championships.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Princeton claims 28 national titles, Yale 27, Alabama 23. Um, Princeton and Yale, like they were like th- they claim a lot of them from the time where like they were one of the only five schools playing them. So it's good to be the ones at the at the beginning. Tonight, I have these dreams What'll happen to me, will I burn out? Have I been wrong, what does it mean? All these things, can't understand why Say something's wrong with me And know. find myself alone driving Like a full moon as it glows I search for truth, tryna be brand new Yeah, I will try